0: If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust and a little bit of pixie dust. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm speaking with Bess. Bess lives in Tasmania with her two gorgeous daughters, Sadie and Nina. Welcome
1: to the podcast tonight, Bess. I would love to start with, I guess, what your journey was to decide to become a solo mum by choice.
2: Um, I, I um, have always wanted to be a mum, I guess, like a lot of mums um, that you've had on before me. Um, I have... Um, Always looked after children. I work in childcare. Um, I spent a lot of my twenties overseas nannying. Yeah. Um I I guess never went out of my way to meet someone. I always thought I guess that would be the way, you know, I went down, you know, to meet someone and have a couple of kids. But I was very shy. I never really put myself out there um to meet anyone. I said I, uh, you know, I was overseas a lot of my twenties and then um, I guess when I first started hearing about mums by choice and donor conception, I um, thought, well, if I don't meet someone, I'll tell a baby like that. And yeah. I, so I gave myself the age of 30 to um, to do that. And um, when I was about 29, I went and met with a um, fertility doctor and started researching a uh, about more about it and um, went on to the SMC um, forum mm-hmm. um, where I met up with a bunch of locals for a, the first time and, you know, went to a couple of um, catch-ups with them before I even, yeah, even started the process and got to know them and got to know what their life was like and... Um, and so then I got started to get really excited about it and I thought maybe I should go before I'm 30. But I'm like, yeah, no, we'll just <laughs> just keep on. Um, so yeah, as soon as I turned 30, I basically I went overseas um, for a holiday. And then when I came back, I went in um to my first appointment
1: and yeah, basically started the process <laughs> then. So most people set themselves a deadline but don't actually do anything before that deadline and then the deadline moves but you were you were pretty focused so it's going to I be. I was new pretty 30. focused yeah. You're new, new coming up to what you're going to do, done all the research and so how was that first appointment with the fertility specialist then?
2: Um, it was really good Um, at the time there was only one fertility clinic in um, Tasmania so there was no choice and no. Um, I thought there was only one doctor but they had started to bring in a couple more doctors and the um wait to see the main doctor um was quite long and i was like well i'm happy to see anyone yeah and i went along and met him and really clicked with him he was wonderful um and he um yeah made me feel really comfortable straight away um he even talked about how his sister had gone down the same path and
1: oh that's good nice for yeah. building
2: yeah. yeah so he yeah he was really yeah really wonderful and yes yeah, so, basically said because of my age um he didn't see any problems with um starting with IUI Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and yeah so yeah
1: that's what I did first and so then you're confident you're going to do IUI did how long did it take to like choose your sperm and what did you go through for that process um so
2: there was a three minute um three um, sorry, um, cooling-off period, as they called it, where I did all my blood tests and um, met with the counsellor for my two appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, once those three months were off, they gave me um, some donor options. Um, at the time, TAS, um, IVF weren't importing um, mm-hmm. overseas sperm. They only had um Local Sp- sperm and only a small pool of that as well. Um, they originally gave me the three, um, three donors to choose from and I took them home and had a look over those ones and didn't really feel like any of them were um, the right one. And yeah. so I called them up and said, was, it, was this my only options or was there any more? And they said, no, we'll give you another three um so they gave me another three and from that I was able to choose one that I thought sounded like a a good match for us yeah, For me.
1: what were you looking for primarily when you were looking at those profiles
2: um well health um was my number one and I originally was looking for I guess similar characteristics to me physical characteristics mean like eye color hair color and um, in the end, I went complete opposite. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it was a pretty
1: easy decision in the end. So
2: that was. That was good. Were you
1: concerned at all at the time that it was just Tasmanian donors or you didn't really think about it too much?
2: Um, I didn't really think about it and I thought, it, you know, it might be easier. But when the girls um, turned, well, the future babies to turn 18, um, to be able to meet them or, you yeah. know, yeah, tread them down, here. Yeah
1: brilliant so yes. you went with IUI and how did treatment go
2: um I was successful with my first IUI but unfortunately did um have a miscarry at mm-hmm. uh, six weeks which was extremely difficult um but I went again as soon as my um, cycle came back and my second IUI was successful with my first child baby. Oh. <sighs>
1: And it was the same donor for both IUI rounds? Yes, it was, yes.
2: And, yes, so, so I was successful on my second attempt. So I was very lucky. Um, when I first originally met the group of girls, they told me, not one of us had success with IUI. We just want you to be prepared. Not one of us has success. And I was like, okay, okay. So I know, you know, I was very lucky too.
1: Probably good mindset going into it. Yeah. That as well then. So a nice surprise when it did work.
2: Yes def- most definitely yes.
1: And so pregnant second um, second round and how yes. was pregnancy for you?
2: Um, it, it was tough. <laughs> I was quite sick, a lot of morning sickness for you know a good probably 20 weeks um, oh, no. <laughs> all holiday sickness but yeah I got through it okay and yeah so it was it wasn't too bad but
1: <laughs> And then did you go full term did you? Um, so
2: I made that I was had an appointment on around the 39 weeks, and he said, "What would you like to do?" He, um, I was very uncomfortable at this stage, um, and he said, "I'm happy to induce you." So I did go in for an induction mm-hmm. at 39 and one day. Um, it so I start yeah, the induction did work, but um, my labor did then fail to um
1: what's <laughs> the word? progress
2: progress yeah. <laughs> and I um, ended up having an emergency Caesar when it had gone all day with not much <laughs> much movement yeah. so yes um yeah everything was okay um I recovered very well from the Caesar um yes it was wasn't too bad in the end. It wasn't what I was planning, but it worked out, worked out okay in the end. Did you have someone with you while you were going through all of that? Um, my sister, she um, lives in Queensland, but she came down um, for the birth of both, of, of both my children, um, which was good. So, she, yeah, she was with me through it all and, yeah.
1: And was she there to help out in the
2: early days as well when you went home? Um, my mum actually came and stayed with us for a little middle- bit. Um, so my sister stayed a few days, but then she had to come back to Queensland. So my, I think my mum stayed for a couple of weeks. It's hard to remember those early days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She did stay for a few days. And a couple of other good friends came and, you know, let her go home for a night and stay with me too, so, which was really nice.
1: Oh, so you obviously had a really awesome village supporting you in those early days. yes. Yeah, so very much so.
2: Very, very, very lucky in that.
1: <laughs> so once it was just the two of you, if you can remember, <laughs> how did you find it?
2: um yeah very well um in the I did struggle with um feeding in the beginning which was really difficult um, my milk did take a long time to come in but once it came in it was okay but then I got to a point when she was about seven weeks old when I thought it was just too much and I couldn't do it anymore and I wanted to stop and then so I stopped but then I was upset that I stopped so then I managed to restart again so it was bit of an emotional process around the you know that seven weeks but it was
1: yeah it was no one really prepares you for that do they everyone just assumes breastfeeding is going to be easy but yes so many people struggle in so many different ways with it
2: yeah and that's I think what I I still I guess in some ways think about it that you know that I feel like I gave up but at the time I knew that was important for my my mental health to have a little break and yeah, and, I go back. and I'm lucky that I was able to pick it back up at least um, for you know most of her feeding, which was very lucky.
1: Yeah. And did you take a year off work for
2: your first child? Um, I took up six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't didn't get any maternity leave from my work, so I was only able to take the government leave, and then I um had some holidays saved and some money saved, so I could get to the six month. Mark. Um, but as I said, I work in childcare, and um, Sadie came to my centre um, as We're well. <laughs> yeah, so it was very handy. And although we weren't in the same room together, you know, they would bring her to me so I could feed her. And yeah, it was just nice. I knew she was close by and made it a little bit easier having to go back that earlier than I would have liked.
1: I bet all the kids in your room would have loved having this little baby come (laughs) and visit as well. They did, yeah. Your own real-life doll. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then you've gone on to have a second child. So at what point did you think, yeah, I think I want another one? And what was that process like?
2: Um, I thought I always wanted to have two. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to give Sadie a sibling. And um, so I went to my first appointment back with the facility a doctor um, when she was probably about 15 months old, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, he was also my obstetrician, so I was lucky to see him again because I just yeah clicked really well with him. And um, so we went back and um, saw him and, yeah, and I pretty much started. I wasn't kind of planning on starting that early, but I was like, well, why not? And so yeah. I did start um, again fairly soon after that initial appointment with him. Um, I did three rounds of IUI um, for Nina, all of which were unsuccessful, which was a little bit of a surprise for me after my success last time, and to my fertility doctor too, he was a little bit surprised that it had um, hadn't worked that time. So I because um, you would have been what, a little... 30,
1: thirty-two at that stage,
2: yeah, about yeah, then, nice. yeah, thirty-two, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, I had a little break. Um, Bit of time to save up some more money and I decided I would do one round of um, IVF with an egg collection um, depending on how many eggs I got from that would be how many goes I would have um, and I gave myself that's yeah that's what I would I'd have to have a, a deadline or an yeah. end, ending point so you know it wasn't I couldn't keep spending the money um, so um, I did the egg collection. Um, I only ended up with four eggs, and then two embryos from that. Um, I was able to use the same donor too for
1: um, that was. So she said, is full sibling." So, did you and, secure sperm when you had Sadie? Like, did they reserve it for you, or did um, you they
2: didn't? Um, when I first had Sadie, they said I could, um, but at that stage, I wasn't ready to make. When I first had her, any decisions yeah. about that, um, and so when she was about six months old, I did ring up and say, "Was I able to reserve any?" And they said, "Oh no, they couldn't do that anymore." <gasps> so I took a a, a chance. And uh, yeah, I was lucky still to be able to secure some of the same donors. donor. So,
1: do you think was... you would have proceeded as soon as you did if you couldn't have the donor? Like, would you would you've waited, or
2: um, I probably would have waited a little bit and to make a decision about <laughs> another donor. But I I still would have gone ahead with a different donor. But having it the same donor was my first preference. But I still would have gone ahead with a second. Pregnancy, and maybe if I didn't have that option.
1: <laughs> yeah, because so it's interesting it's, if you go, because a lot of the people that I've interviewed have been IVF, so they have like, you know, genetic siblings, hopefully, in the freezer. So it's quite different yeah. from IUI. And then, yeah, do you get to secure that sperm for the next one? That's hmm, yeah. probably yeah, something so they, if you are going into it and um, wanting siblings, that you think about that from the beginning of if there's a way that you can secure it for later. Yeah.
2: Yes, most definitely, yeah. So that, yeah, so I was very lucky and, yeah, ended up with the two embryos and um, then Nina was the, the first transfer, so I got pregnant in my the first round, so with a fresh transfer, so.
1: And how was that pregnancy with her? Was it the same as Sadie or different?
2: Um, it was... It was again a pretty tough pregnancy. Um, yeah, the morning sickness, and then I ended up with the flu and um, influenza A and in hospital for a little while, which wasn't fun. Mm. And um, Sadie was like two and a half at this about that stage, and um, yeah, and then I had gestational diabetes too, and that was kind of rough <laughs> as well, but. It was okay. <laughs> um, yes. So I just I um, decided to go straight for the caesarean yeah. with Nina. Um, I didn't want, the, I guess, the same thing to happen that I would just go through all day of um, being Labour and then end up in the same position. So I decided just to have the caesarean, which also made you know, my sister coming down yeah. um, from Queensland to be here and yeah, know the date in advance.
1: yeah I imagine with a two and a half year old it would make life a lot easier if you were just booked in and you knew exactly what was going to happen
2: yeah
1: (laughs) and you could prepare for going (laughs) home with a two and a half year old and a cesarean yeah yes yeah and so you had the same great support network as well when you came home that time
2: I did yes but I made the decision that I wanted to be home by myself with the girls so when I did come out of hospital um when I was in hospital the first time, my mum also stayed with me um, when I was in hospital. But I thought it was more important for her to be with Sadie. Yeah. Um. So I was yeah in there alone, and when I came home, I wanted to be at home with the girls by myself. And I knew that if I needed anybody, I would have you know lots of help if I needed it.
1: How <laughs> was that though with a cesarean? And <laughs>
2: um, it was okay. Like I um, recovered a lot better from the second booked in one um, and yeah I just I guess knew my limits um Sadie yeah she had turned three by the time Nina was born um so it was yeah she was quite you know good and helpful and
1: not a complete tornado
2: not a complete tornado (laughs)
1: Lucky.
2: maybe if they'd come the other direction it would have been a different story Nina is my little (laughs) tornado
1: (laughs) and how much time did you have off work with Nina then
2: um, I had seven months with her, so I, you know, I saved up a lot. You know, I tried to save everything I could to have as much time yeah. off as I could. Um, yeah, we. She was a very difficult sleeper, a very terrible sleeper. Um, we spent a, a few nights in the mother baby unit trying to get her to sleep a little bit better because she oh. was every forty five minutes. So. A good chunk of time overnight, which was extremely tough. And I, this was just right before I went back to work, and I, was like, I can't go back to work on <laughs> forty-five minutes. You know, sections of sleep. So.
1: And so, obviously, your mum and your sister were really supportive of you when you you came home from the hospital. How were they when you told them that you were going to embark on this journey? If
2: um, every, everybody has, was very supportive, my mum, my dad, my sister, all my friends and um, family, they, you know all thought it was wonderful. Um, they, yeah, were yeah, very excited for me and for them as well. <laughs> Being the first and you know, their grandchildren, so they're, they're very spoiled well, they? and yeah. very loved. And they are, yes. Got their wrapped around their little fingers. So. <laughs> and how old are the girls now? So, yeah, my parents are actually with us on this holiday as well. Oh, cool. um so you just turned six and then it'll be three next week so, they are wonderful and um crazy and <laughs>
1: amazing and everything yeah they are yeah wonderful <laughs> yeah. if you look back now on your journey is there anything that you think you would do differently or any advice that you could give for anyone who's just kind of embarking on this um I don't think there's anything
2: I would do differently. Um, I'm glad um, I started when I when I did when I was when I was just turned 30 I was um, ready and um, able to support them, and um, yeah, I think it was. I don't think there's anything I would, <laughs> would do differently.
1: Any uh, advice? Any advice for anyone that's about to go through it? Like, what was maybe the harder parts of it that you? Could think? Um.
2: If you can save up the money to have that extra time off, that um, I think would be would be nice. If you yeah, if you don't have the maternity leave to allow you to have a year off, um, I think yeah, I would have loved to have had that time off with them. Um, I'd also say yeah, just just go for it. If you've got the, um, you've got the village, you've got the love. Um, if it's what you want yeah just do it <laughs>
1: really and you obviously had some really awesome connections that you made from the other solo moms by choice before you even started on this journey are you still in contact with them now
2: um, not some um, not their kids are quite a bit older so I I see them from time to time but um there is a huge um single moms by choice community in Tasmania and I have um catch ups with regularly, probably once at least once a month with um some in the, the area who all have kids our age as well. So it's yeah it's been it's been really lovely. We um went camping um in March for the first time and we've you know made plans to make it a you know twice a year event if if we can. It was yeah it was really good the you know you know it's really good for the girls to make these connections and yeah. Um, we've also recently made connections with their siblings as well, some donor siblings. So that's been oh, wow. wonderful as
1: well. Yeah. So how did you go so, about that?
2: Um, we on one of the Facebook sites, um, Donor Children Australia. Um, we connected with one of the mums through there as well. Um, so yeah, we've um, the mum and I chatted for probably a year, um, and then we decided to meet and so we've met her twice now so it has been really lovely for the, the girls to have that connection and not grow up knowing um, who they are
1: and is she a solo mum by choice as well or is she in a couple She is yes she's a solo mum by choice as well oh that's nice yeah. and yeah. do they understand that that you know they've got the same donor do they have any concept of that at the stage
2: um Sadie does yes. Um she worked it out, I think, you know, pretty quickly. Um I kind of used that we how we meet other um donor conceived children, that they have different donors and when we met these children um that they had the same donor as her and yeah, she kind of worked out pretty quickly what the that meant <laughs> to my surprise. <laughs> but yes, yes. But yeah, I'm yeah, really glad to have made those connections. Yeah, know a, a lot of
1: people. It's it's consideration, but it's not always as easy. So you're very lucky. I think, no, you found someone on on the Facebook group because a lot of people were, have all the intentions, but you just need one of the other parents to be the same to get them. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I, Such yeah. an early age as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it was. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been wonderful, and yeah, I I was surprised to find it so early, but I'm glad that we have.
1: And Sadie understands that she has a donor and, and not a dad, and has it been? She does, yes. How has that and she, progressed through as you got older?
2: Um, it's she. It has. I mean, she's always known it has never been something that's been um kept from her. Um, she will tell people if they ask where's her dad. Um, although she is in school now, and it has got. Um, misunderstood a couple of times from children thinking her dad had died Um, so I've had to (laughs) um, explain to their their parents and as yeah no that she has a donor and not a dad but it's yeah it's been it's been positive it's been has been positive when people know (laughs) know the story I I think because you know Sadie was saying she just didn't have a dad and then other children were Just misunderstanding the information, which is you know not their fault when you know donor conceived is you know still then not the norm and not things that a lot of the other children do know about.
1: Not common yet. Probably getting a lot more. Not common common yet. (laughs) It's getting better. It's getting more common. Did you address it with her teachers before she started school so that they were aware of the situation?
2: Um, I did. Yes, I spoke to both. She's through she's in her second year at school now that yeah
1: both her
2: teachers that she was donor conceived and that you know she she makes father's day presents for her pa and yeah so they've been receiving of that and they did tell me when she was in kindergarten last year when they were getting the children to yell out um d words sadie did yell out donor so (laughs) good (laughs) job (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was, yeah, nice to hear that she, <laughs> that she thinks about that as well. Yeah. She just talks about it in a very matter-of-fact way. Um, I think Nina doesn't really say much about it yet, but I know that it'll
1: come. She older. Yeah. I guess the good thing with Sadie yeah. being so okay with it, she can help explain it to, to Nina as well. Yeah, when we have all the books and
2: we, you know, read them, all the times, so different families, and
1: that. Have you got any of that are that are favourites? So, if anyone else is listening, um, can get them
2: too. So, is it, is it um, just the way we are is a favourite one, mm-hmm. and they do like the our story is the one from the donor conception network. Yeah, yeah. so they're the two that we probably read the most often. Uh, I would like to get a few more for our
1: <laughs> collection as well. And so I guess now that you've got the two girls, is it everything you thought it was going to be? Um yeah, every, yeah, everything in law. It's, you
2: know, not every day is easy. Um, not every day is um you know, the best day ever, but we ha- you know, we have a lot of fun, we you know love each other dearly. Um yeah, it is amazing. Um got lots of plans for our future for travel and if COVID ever goes away <laughs> um but yeah we yeah it's yeah it's a it's been amazing and I couldn't be yeah, more grateful for them and to have had the opportunity because you know I know a lot of people who would have liked to have been mums and you know probably if they had the opportunity you know 20 years ago they they would have done Mm. And so I just feel extremely blessed that I live in a time where um, it's accepted, um, that it's available, and, you know, that I get the opportunity to be a mum that I might not have gotten otherwise.
1: We are very lucky we're in these times, aren't we?
2: We are.
1: So you've got big plans for travel? Where's the first trip once COVID does bugger off?
2: Um, I... Nanny nannied in Chicago for two years um, and I am still very much in touch with the family that I nannied for. Um, so I would like to go back. Um, I did take Sadie when she was 13 months old. Oh, wow. Um, over and we stayed with them for a month. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah. wonderful to, you know, take her to all the places that I had taken. They had twin boys who were only babies when I had them, so take her to all the places I used to take them. and oh, that's So, I would like to get Nina over there and so they can meet Nina, and um, yeah, so that would probably be my my first stop, would be Chicago and hopefully Europe too down the line. But
1: Mm.
2: we'll see,
1: I feel like everybody's in Europe at the moment when I look on Instagram, it's just,
2: yes, (laughs) I see that too. I'm like, oh, when can we go? But I'm just, yeah, I'm a bit nervous to to take the step to go overseas yet, even though, yeah,
1: I understand that. So what do, you, what do you find probably the most challenging with two and you're, just by yourself?
2: Um, I guess um, giving them the attention that they um, sometimes need straight away. Like, you know, sometimes I have to prioritise who needs that attention a little, a little bit more, which, you know, might mean the other one has to wait a little bit, which um, can be difficult. Um Obviously, as they've got a little bit older now, it's not as, you know, as hard in that area because you know, they're able to understand or, you know, at least, they, you know, she does. But then I always feel bad that I have to make her wait because she's the older one and she does understand. So it's that, you know, conflict of um, not always being able to give them 100% of what I would like to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Probably quite a good age gap, though, is not it? So, what Sadie would have been three when Nina yeah, she now. was
2: three when um, when um, Nina was born, and um, I originally when I originally tried the IUIs, it would have been closer to a two year gap, um, which so it's probably yeah, I guess worked out a little bit better in that way because yeah, the bigger gap I think would have been it's a little bit easier than it
1: would have been. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us tonight. It's really beautiful, especially to have someone from Tasmania. We don't get many from from down there, and to mm-hmm. hear your wonderful experience of how you got guidance from people along the way. You were obviously very set on your timelines, and you, you stuck to it.
2: Yes, yeah. so,
1: we're well, lucky <laughs> enough to be successful pretty easily the first round, and then obviously Nina just wanted to wait a little bit longer, so you mm-hmm. had that bigger gap. Hi, just... but... no, yeah feel very blessed sounds like you've got some really awesome plans for the for the the three of you i look forward to following on to see what you guys get up to all
2: right well thank you very much yeah, yeah thank you for having me and i was yeah i'm um, very happy i wanted to um share my story even though <laughs> i've been a little bit nervous but yeah
1: no. You did wonderfully. And I know a lot of people are going to really enjoy listening to this, especially those that are considering number two, just to hear how easy it can be. Cause you make it sound like it's just. Oh, <laughs> oh thank you. So thank you so much
2: for sharing.
0: I'm Alicia, and this is the no need for Prince charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.